0: page 543 in the Pew Bible, if you would like to read along, this is the English Standard Version. The Lord is my light and my salvation, the Psalm of David, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. O you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not. O God of my salvation, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Jason, will you pray for us?
1: As we go to the Lord in prayer, I'd like to reiterate verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is our light and our salvation. Let's go to him in prayer. Lord, we are in awe of the contrast. The contrast of Romans 4 that says, quoting scriptures throughout the Old Testament, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. None of us. All have turned aside. There's none that does good. And that includes each one of us in this room. Lord, none of us are worthy to come before you, to sing our praises before you, to uplift our hands before you. But Lord, we acknowledge that it's not about us. Our salvation has nothing to do about us, has nothing to do with our good works, has nothing to do that we can offer you. It is only through your righteousness that Psalm 27 talks about all the way through. It is all about you. It is you who seeks us. It is you who woos us, who who desires, who calls us out to come to you just as we are broken people, rebellious people. And Father, we come before you to confess that we are not worthy. But Lord, you have looked upon us with love and tenderness. And Lord, you've offered us a way to come into your presence through Jesus Christ. Lord, that you would come, that you would lay your glory aside in heaven to come and walk with us dirty and broken people and Lord to come and show us the way and to pay for that so pay for the the judgment of sin that is upon each one of us by going to the cross on our behalf Lord we are all we can do is rejoice all we can do is lift our voice and praise and thanksgiving and worship so Father Thank you for being our salvation, because, Father, we cannot do it in and of ourselves. So, Lord, come, be present here this day. Lord, we pray your spirit would move through this auditorium this, uh, this morning. Lord, meet each one of us here where we are at, in whatever condition we are in. Lord, reveal Yourself to those that need to see You. Lord, comfort those that need Your comfort. Lord, fire within us the joy of Your salvation. And Lord, may we sing, uh, knowing that it is good to be in this house together with brothers and sisters. And we praise You and give You glory this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Our catechism question for the day, 21, what sort of redeemer is needed to bring us back to God? Our answer, if you will say this with me, one who is truly human and also truly God. Our short answer, one who is truly human and also truly God. Our scripture is from Isaiah 9, 6. And let's say this together. This is beautiful. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Worthy
2: are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood, you have ransomed people for God from every nation, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of a thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in between, in, in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's good to see you here today and to be with us in fellowship and, and uh, again, just uh, want to encourage you with the announcements that have been given to, to be involved to the level that you can Uh, pray for our community, pray for the community and the surrounding community for the name of Jesus Christ, that he would be lifted up, that he would be worshiped, that people that don't know him would come to know our savior and Lord Jesus Christ. As we do, even though we know we have a long ways to go, right? We have a long ways to go. And that is our, our prayer. And as we are continuing our series through the, the catechism questions, and again, a catechism uh, question is, is, is a way to uh, ask questions about what we say we believe. The whole series is entitled, What We Believe. We believe. And uh, the questions, if you're, if you're really paying attention they start somewhere and they will end somewhere. And it's a series of questions. So one question should autom- automatically lead to the next question and the next question and so on. So they're not, they, they they are standalone and yet at the same time they are all very much laced together, almost like a weaving fabric on a loom. They're all woven together and it's just fascinating and amazing to, to see. And so the question that we're dealing with, last week we. We said that there was a need for a redeemer. Why? Because we are sinners. We are sinners. We have a great need. There is a gulf between God, a holy God, and sinful man that cannot be spanned by you or I. We can't work hard enough. We can't do enough. We can't, there is nothing that we could do to appease God in order to gain his favor. There is nothing. And it leaves just an incredible gulf. And that, that that gulf, that need, is so important for you and I today. We need to see that. Folks, when you are sharing your faith with someone, people need to hear about that that gulf in your own life before you came to Christ. They need to know what that was like. They need to know that it exists. They need to understand that there is a great need, and His name is Jesus, the Redeemer. And that's where the question is in the Redeemer and then what sort of Redeemer is needed to bring us to God. Because we do live in a world, folks, that even from a religious perspective, the world we live in is diverse and at times confusing. There are countless different religions in the world, and they, are, and they all have different truth claims. We just need to see that and understand that. It can be overwhelming, it can be an overwhelming task to decipher the differences between all of them. And really, one of the things I just want to say: the reason we're going through the catechism question is if you want to know the truth, then study the truth, not the false. Don't you don't need to study what other religions believe. You need to understand what you believe. You need to understand it like, like fake money and real money. People study real money. So when fake money comes into their hands, they go, that's not real. That's the way it is with us with what we say we believe, we need to understand it, we need to embrace it, we need to live it then. And so as we, there, there are but there are differences and we need to understand that. and probably if I could just say this, one of the most important things for us to comprehend is how different world religions understand the nature and the status of Jesus Christ, because it really does boil down to that, okay? As Christians, you and I believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. He is both human and divine. No other faith, no other religion or faith tradition believes that God left the glory of heaven to be incarnated as the man Christ Jesus. No other faith but Christianity believes that today. And so the uniqueness of what we say we believe is so important. So this question this morning helped you and I understand the uniqueness of Jesus the Redeemer and see that God's plan and promise was to send his son who was or who was fully himself and fully man to save people from their sin. And again, you have to be in the scripture, you have to be reading to catch this and to understand it, to enjoy it and to embrace it. You have to be reading the scripture. Um, John chapter 1, just the first 14 verses really spell that out very well. So asking the question what sort of redeemer is needed to bring us back to God is the next logical question because it tells us that a very special kind of redeemer is and was required to reconcile humans, you and I, back to God. So um, Though many of the world religions teach that Jesus was human, they do not teach that he is and was fully God. Christianity teaches that Jesus is both fully human and fully God, and that this kind of Redeemer is the only kind capable of restoring God's relationship with humanity. And I know that this is a concept, you know, um, a, a, a number of us teach children, and this is probably one of the toughest concepts to teach children—that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. So, you know, just if 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 I could make it as simple as possible, as difficult as the concept is uh, uh, to understand, consider the question: If I were to ask you um, uh, what you are in your essence or in your nature? Most likely, you would tell me that you were human. So, if I were to say, "What are you? Uh, uh, what are you in your essence or in your nature?" You would most likely tell me you were human. In other words, you wouldn't tell me that you were an, a, an animal or something else. You would say that you are human. That is important for us to understand. We are human. As Christians, we believe that Jesus is both fully human and fully divine or fully God. This doesn't mean, hear what I'm going to say, it doesn't mean that that Jesus is part human and part divine or God. Not part and part, making a whole, okay? That is so important, but rather he is one person with two complete natures, that being human and divine. All right? Have I lost you yet? OK, it's it's really it's hard to grasp. It is difficult for us to to understand uh, the concept of Jesus being one person with two natures, because here it is, our experience, our point of reference that we have is that we only have one essence or one nature. When I say to Jason, what are you? He would say in your nature or your essence, I would he would say I am human. OK. He w- that's what we would say about ourselves. One of the things that was helpful in the early church fathers as they were writing and recording and helping people believe and stay clear in their mindset, the Nicene Creed states, we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, of things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the begotten of God, the Father, the only begotten that is of the essence of the Father. So our passage this morning, and I would invite you to turn there with me, is, is found in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter, uh, chapter 9, verses. and I'm going to read 1 through 7. The verses that we read were right in, in there, but I'm going to read the, the whole passage this morning. This Not the whole passage, but a big part of it. So Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 7. All righty. So, but there will be no gloom for her. Uh, but there, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former times, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep dark darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you with the joy at the, at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his, sho- of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as in the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Verse 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called it's an incredible passage. Folks, can I just tell you something in a geopolitical sense? The world as we know it is falling apart, right? Can I just tell you this? It will continue to fall apart until this day comes when the zeal of the Lord will do what he has promised, and that is to bring Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, to reign forever in this, on this world and in this world. Everything as we know it will not last. The scripture is very clear about that. The book of Isaiah was written hundreds of years before Jesus was born. It was written at a dark and difficult time in the history of his people. Why? Because they were in rebellion against God. They were not following God. They were disobeying God. They were not trusting in God. They were not believing that he was their provider and their protector. They were... were They they were worse than the the pagan nations around them. It was a dark time. And throughout the book of, of, of Isaiah, God warns them that they will face judgment and punishment. But here's the thing. Here's the reassuring thing. He also promises that he will not abandon his people. So folks, we need to understand, we're not Israel today, but I want you to understand the God who created everything, the God who is moving all of history and all of uh, all circumstances and situations for his, uh, our good and his glory is still in charge. He is still in charge today. And we need to know that and we need to understand that. And if you belong to him today, he, your God will not abandon you. We need to cling to that in these times. You know, at the beginning of of chapter 9, it is is striking because it it speaks of a future time that contrasts with the, the dark and the difficult times that God's people were experiencing. And God, through Isaiah, promises times filled with light, joy, hope, peace. Those times would be brought about by the arrival of His promised Savior and Redeemer. You know, even here in town in Eatville, we have a guy that stands on the corner uh, downtown and a sign for peace. Can I just tell you something? Peace is something we should desire, amen? But here's the thing, true peace only comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. There will never be peace in this world. We need to understand that. We need to understand that. And clearly, we need to understand that. So verse 6 then reveals the type of redeemer who would be sent to save God's people from judgment and punishment. And verse 6, it, it, it begins by, by saying that uh, for unto us a child is born. Folks, listen to this. The redeemer, God prophesied, God through Isaiah uses these words will be a human for unto us a child is born this th- this is this is uh, uh right back in in Israel's history when this is given the redeemer would be human he would be born into the world as a baby here's the thing that we need to understand god would take on human flesh as it says in John chapter 1 verse 14 god himself would would take all of his godness, everything in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, would form himself into the form of a baby. That's just amazing. That is incredible. Then it goes on and says, The Redeemer of God uh, is God's unique gift. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Folks, that's just amazing. We use this passage at Christmas all the time. It's not just a Christmas passage. It is a promise. It is a promise of God that is given to you and I. Unto us, the son is, uh, 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 is 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 given. The son is given. This is the promise of God that that God has a plan, that God is moving, that God is redeeming and restoring and rescuing. So, in the first half of the verse, it talks about. That, God would be, that the Redeemer would be human, that it is a, it's God's unique gift, a son is given. For God so loved the world that he gave his either one and only son or his only begotten son. That is the gift of God that is given to us. The second part of the verse then uses phrases which describe the Redeemer as none other than God himself. Jesus Christ will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. When you read the rest of Isaiah, these titles are titles used in other places by the prophet Isaiah through the words of God exclusively to describe God himself. So God is described as wonderful in Isaiah 25 and Isaiah 28. God is described as mighty in Isaiah chapter 10. God is described as everlasting in Isaiah chapter 40. God is the one who brings peace in Isaiah 26. So God and Jesus Christ are described the same here, and that is just incredible and amazing. So first and foremost, we see that he will come in human form. He is the gift of God given to us. But then at the same time, he is also God himself. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. So we can ask the question, what is this verse highlighting about the promised Redeemer? God, uh, God's, uh, God states in Isaiah 9-6 uh, that the Redeemer would be both God and man, or man and God, but God and man. In a world that that is and, and, and was groaning, uh, burdened and broken by vertical and, and horizontal conflict of sin. In a world where sin alienates you and I from God and others, we find ourselves in a place that we cannot fix by ourselves. Folks, that is so important for us to understand. There is no government in the world today that can, can that can fix the problems that we have in this world today. It just will not happen. It will not happen. It cannot happen. There, we cannot fix the problems that we are experiencing in our world today. We desperately need peace, but peace seems to be a, a distant and, and sometimes delusional hope But here's the thing, God spoke words of life, words of hope, words of peace through Isaiah. And I want you to understand something this morning. Folks, we need to cling, we need to cling to the word of God. You need to be in it, you need to read it, you need to embrace it, you need to think about it, you need to meditate upon it. God had and has a solution to our problem. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 is that solution. It's not a negotiation. It would not be a call to action. It would not be a strategy for peace. No, God's solution would come in the gift of His Son. He would bring the peace that eludes our grasp. He would live the life that we could not live, fulfilling God's requirements. He would bear our punishment, satisfying God's anger. He would rise from the grave, defeating sin and death. He would do it all so that we could experience what we could have never, ever, ever achieved or earned or deserved. And here it is. Peace with God. That's worth an amen. That is worth an amen. Peace with God. And the peace with God is the only road to lasting peace with him and one another. It, this goes way back to something that we as a church landed on it, that as a, a call or a goal. And that and here it is, that we would love God first and foremost and that we would love our neighbors ourselves. Can I just tell you something today? that will never happen even in the church until we are first at peace with God. To the level that you are at peace with God, to the level that you are in relationship with God, to the level that you have surrendered your heart and your life and your soul to God, will you have peace with Him and then peace with others? Trying to love God and to love others in your own strength and in your own power is foolishness. It is futile. It doesn't work. It cannot work. It will not work. It is only when the peace of God rules in your heart and in my heart that you and I can know real peace. Catch what I'm saying. The Prince of Peace came to bring peace. This is the good news of the gospel. God became human. Peace came. Peace lived. Peace died. Peace rose again. Peace reigns on your behalf. Peace indwells you by the Spirit. Peace graces you with everything that you and I need. Peace convicts. Peace forgives. Peace delivers you and I. Peace will finish its work in you. Peace will welcome you into glory. Where peace will live with you in peace. The peace and righteousness of God forever. Peace is not a faded dream, my friends. No, peace is real, and peace is a person, and his name is Jesus, the God Man. You see, one of the interesting things, folks, today is that it, is that I I really just focused in on one title the prince of peace that's just one there are a multitude of messages that could be preached from this particular passage but the peace of god is the solution to that and and here is as we as we wrap this up this morning is okay, as we read through what we say we believe as we as we as we preach and proclaim doctrine This is what we believe. Can I just tell you something? What we say we believe, if it is not lived, is not really true doctrine in practice, because doctrine is practiced. Okay, so what we say we believe about God and what we say we believe about Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, the one who brings the peace of God, it must come down to, it must boil down to a response, a virtue, if you will. So God's peace calls you and I to be people of peace. And I'm just going to tell you one of the great ways that God calls you and I to be people of peace is to be people who would forgive. That there would be forgiveness in our hearts. That we would be willing to forgive. Ephesians chapter 4, 32 says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Just as in Christ God forgave you. Do you hear that? That is just so that is so important for us. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Well, who's kind and compassionate? God. Who's forgiving? God, and just as God is kind, and compassionate, and forgiving, and forgave you, not because you earned it, not because you deserved it, not because you're you're just some great special person, but because God loves you, because God loves you, and desires that you would be his again, because God desired, he made you, and he made you to be in a relationship with him and your sin and my sin separates us from God. And so now God, in his great plan, at a a, a point in time, brought himself into the earth. God himself, the creator of heaven and earth, came in human form in Jesus Christ and walked among men. Why? To ultimately take our place on the cross. Now I'm getting a little bit further ahead in the catechism questions. But it all flows together. So the virtue, if you will, when I say that I believe, and I, there's this question that we ask, that, that asks the question, um, you know, what sort of Redeemer is needed to bring us back to God? It's God himself in human form. That's what it takes to bring us back. And so now God says to you and I, the believing church, the church that in a couple of weeks is going to be out on a field and we're going to be praying and we're going to be playing and we're going to be singing and there's going to be people there that, that, are, are, that more than likely don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, the church of Christ, together with six or seven, maybe more churches than that, will be there present together. Why? So that people would hear about the peace of Jesus Christ. And it really begins... With this virtue, I think, forgiveness. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Can I just ask a question? Did you deserve God's forgiveness? Not at all. None of of us do. But God forgave. God forgave us. Our sins so that we might be made right with him. And so God calls you and I to live out this this perspective, this idea, this belief of the Redeemer in our own lives and that we would be people of forgiveness. People who would forgive. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Father God, we come before you today Lord, uh, as we were singing and, 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 and reading the scripture, Father, uh, Lord, just uh, understanding that you are our rock and our salvation. Lord, you are the one that we need to cling to. Lord, there is no other God. Lord, you are the only one worthy to open up the scroll. You are the, uh, for you were slain. And by your blood, you have ransomed people for God. God, we come before you today, and we want to say thank you. Lord, thank you as we now begin to flesh out this perspective of who is the Redeemer and what kind of Redeemer is necessary to bring us back to you. God, we want to say thank you for now fleshing out, for painting a picture of the person and the life of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Lord, this morning as we close, there might be someone here that does not know you, has not given their heart and life to you, has not understood that they are completely separated from you by their own sin, by their own selfishness, by their own desire to live for themselves. And Father, even now as we pray and as we close, as we're speaking to you, Lord, they are recognizing this great need, this great gulf that stands between them and you. Lord, even now, open up their eyes to see and to understand that you are that Redeemer in the form of Jesus Christ in human form. Lord, you came that we might be redeemed. Lord, you bought us back. You paid the price. Lord, you took our place. Lord, you conquered death and sin on the cross. And so, Lord, for that person, may they just open their heart to you and cry out to you and say, God, save me. A wretched sinner. Lord, we thank you for the day when our eyes and our hearts and our minds we're open to our need. Lord, we, where we humbled ourselves before you, and Lord, we, we cried out to you, our mighty God, the one who is mighty to save God. We say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for opening up our hearts and minds, Lord, to respond to your invitation. God, thank you so much. Lord, we ask that you would guide us and bless us today. Prepare us. Prepare us, Lord, to be your light in this world, to be people who would forgive, who would love, who would come alongside of those who are broken and lost because we were once there, as the word says, your word. God, we want to say thank you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' wonderful and precious name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand as we close.